Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. I like to say that I am a light for those who are struggling to get out of the darkness. I didn't know I was poor. I didn't know that being tossed around from house to house wasn't normal. I didn't know anything about predators. I didn't know anything about evil people. There was these young women who started coming up to Sonic Drive-In and they were always like, hey girl, you know, how much money you make? First, we started off waitressing, kind of started doing some dancing. Sometimes if I didn't make enough money, it would happen. You don't want to leave. Like, it's not going to be good because you're just going to come right back. Become what you think about. That is the secret to this life. I didn't know who I was at that time. I like to say that I went from pain to purpose and purpose to profit. Welcome to Squats and Margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and say, this week on Squats and Margaritas, it's keynote speaker and best-selling author, Shamitria Gonzalez. She's a multifamily real estate investor, the founder and CEO of Unleash to Speak, and she is straight, magic, fire, light. We met in DC speaking on International Women's Day, and I wanted her here today to share her inspiring almost unbelievable story of how she turned her pain into massive purpose and how you can do that too. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. That way you'll get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Shamitria Gonzalez. I met you in DC. We were speaking at a conference and I actually met you the night before you spoke. Yep. And you were just, obviously you're a beautiful girl. I've noticed you, but you were just very like, you, you didn't say much. And I thought you were just there attending the conference and I come and sit with you. I got a little bit of your story and was so inspired just in that first time meeting you that I was running the conference. And the next day I was like, I have to introduce her. And then I was so inspired by what you did that I put you back on the stage the next day <laughs> at the last minute. I'm like, I'm going to need you to do that again. Um, and you're here today to just share your light with my listeners and anybody that sees you now, like this gorgeous, accomplished multifamily real estate investor, you stepped into that, but that's not where you started. And, and we can go all the way back to the incubator. Okay, girl. <laughs> I like to say that I am a light for those who are struggling to get out of the darkness. And I've been in so much darkness. And when I was born, I was born with crack in my system. I was a little itty bitty, little 
baby, just a couple pounds and was in an incubator for about three months. And God allowed me to make it out of that. And so I always feel like I was special. I was a miracle child. And my mother and father, you know, their story is their story. So I tread lightly on how I share space with that. But I will let you know that they are okay with me saying that they used to be addicted to drugs and they started off in a very dark place themselves. We have moved past that. I've forgiven them. But due to that, I was tossed around from house to house, home to home, in and out of foster care, in and out of different um, shelters, group homes. And around 15 years old, I was like, you know what? going to emancipate myself because I don't want to deal with this anymore. I never really had parents, never had anybody upbringing. I didn't have culture. I didn't have birthdays. I didn't have Christmas. I didn't have Thanksgiving. Like it was not a part of my life. It was survive and survive is all I knew. So emancipated myself at 15 years old. I moved from the country to the city and I just knew I was going to make it like this same energy I have right now. I believe there's something that's born with us that is deep inside of us. And I don't know what it is. I call it our gift, but that gift can be so many things. My gift was light. It was the energy I brought to the space wherever I was at and light attracts moths, but it also attracts other light. So <laughs> I attracted so much negativity and positivity, but I was blind to what either were because I was just in my bubble. I always was happy. I didn't know I was poor. I didn't know that being tossed around from house to house wasn't normal. I didn't know that not having birthday parties or a lot of Christmas gifts or washing my clothes out on my hands and hanging them outside on the line was not what most people did. Yeah. I just thought that I was very happy and blessed and I was so grateful. And I moved to the city and that is when it went from just kind of being poor and tossed around. I was always smart in school, student athlete, um, but I didn't know anything about the city. I didn't know anything about predators. <laughs> I didn't know anything about pedophiles. I didn't know anything about evil people. I grew up in the country and it was just kind of poor and drugs wasn't any hood. It wasn't any, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to many of the things that I saw. I moved to Dallas, Texas, and I was working at Sonic Drive-In because when you get, when you emancipate yourself, you have to take care of yourself. So you cannot get the emancipation if you don't, if you're not able to provide for yourself. And then you have a caseworker and you have people that like kind of look after you because you're getting checks from the state as being like a ward of the state. Um, at that point, like you're an, a young adult, but without parents. And you were living at Boys and Girls Club at this time? Yes. Okay. Basically like housing. It wasn't necessarily like inside Boys and Girls Club. Right. But it was an offset of the Boys and Girls Club. Gotcha. So I would stay there and I would go to school during the day. And then I would work at Sonic Drive-In at night. Hmm. And I, mean, I thought I was popping, y'all. Like I tell <laughs> everybody, like my, I do not play with this story. Like I thought I was about to be Michelle Obama before there was a Michelle Obama. Like, <laughs> I just was like so happy and proud of myself. I was good in school. And out of nowhere, um, here it comes. So there was these young women. I always say there's predator and there's prey. And um, I like to say that because it gives people kind of a, a basis of what this curating of my mind did, how they forced my mind and kind of developed this relationship with me, right? So when as a young girl, I struggled from abandonment, struggled from rejection. My name is spelled S-H-A-M-E. T-R-I-A. I literally thought um, I was named shame. And so I carried that with me for so long. And so I just, anyone who would show a bit of, a bit of love or any type of interest in me, I just thought that they were God. Like I just, cause I didn't have that. Mm 
So these women started coming up to Sonic Drive-In and they would talk to me and they were always like, Hey girl, you know, how much money you make? And I'm like a hundred dollars a day proudly. That's right. <laughs> like, you know, they did this for months. Oh. Come up, talk to me about how much money I make. They would um, come up in different cars. So I'm like, thinking these are like supermodels. These are, you know, rap singers or actresses. I don't know what they did. They never told me what they did, but they showed me their lifestyle. So after a couple months, they were like, look, you need to make some money, girl. I'm like, money didn't get me. I'm like, I'm I'm good on money. Mm -hmm. They told me that I needed to have family. I needed to have protection, that I needed somebody who loved me and to like show up and be there for me. That got me. Yeah. I was like, Exactly. Oh, I, I think after maybe around three months, probably three, four months, I decided to go with them. And they said, you know, you can come with us. I'm like, well, what do you do? They're like, we'll show you. We just want you to meet, you know, our boss, you know, at that time they called him daddy. So I'm in my head. I want people to know the boss is the daddy, but it wasn't their daddy. Mm -hmm. Um, he was actually a trafficker. And um, some people say a pimp, a pimp is somebody who has women that go out and with their own will give up their body to make money for him. And culturally it's been accepted, but it's really a cover up for a trafficker because it's the same thing. Yeah. The only thing with a trafficker is they coerce the woman's mind, either with drugs, locking them up in a house, kidnapping them, taking them to a, a forbidden location. Um, threatening their family, threatening their social security cards, their illegal immigrants threatening because they have their paperwork. Yeah. Um, so it's different, but it is the same. Yeah. But and you, you got love. Like you said, that's not what, what you picture of somebody being, you're like, you picture someone being taken and like yeah. locked up. You were like loved upon and like celebrated and it was family. Like, that's not what you think. Yes. Yeah. Right. That is not what I thought. And so I just like to give that basis of it so yeah. people can understand it before I share my story, yeah. because some people only see those perspectives and it is that. So when I share my story, they came to me, they brought me into their home. They said, all I have to do is give all of my money to Snake. Um, his name was Snake. And he was very, very beautiful. He was rich. He was powerful. He was beautiful. Um, he never really hit or hurt me. He did one time and I'll get to that, but it was not what you thought it was. It mm -hmm. felt like a tribe of women that were working together in order to make our lives better for a false promise with a false prophet. Mm -hmm. That's how I, how I look at it now. But at the time it just seemed like every other, every, all the other girls were doing it. First, we started off waitressing. They would have these poker joints. We would go in and we would kind of, you know, waitress a little bit and make a little money. And then from there, we would go and kind of started doing some dancing because in Texas, there's two types of dancers. There's BYOB, which means bring your own beer. And you don't have regulations by the state. Mm. That is where prostitution happens. That is where trafficking happens because it's not regulated, but it's a loophole. If it is topless, Feds can come raided right at any time. There's constantly people in there that are making sure you're up to par on the regulations because that means you can serve alcohol, mm -hmm. which drives your sales. So the places that are BYOB are on the outskirts. The places that are topless are on the inskirts. And this will make more sense because I really want people to know these little things that you probably don't know so you can identify the red flags. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to squats and margaritas. We started off waitressing. We went to BYOB, which is completely nude. You cannot have clothes on. It's everything out. And uh, we would dance. We never got our money. The the barbacks and the um, the the security would put all our money in a trash bag and they'd give it to the man on duty that night who was with us. We all came in one car. We all left in one car. There was like, it wasn't like a tracker back then. Like technology wasn't as it is now, but we would, we'd be crazy to like leave what we had. Right. Cause yeah. that was the mindset. And so the thing that got me was he introduced when I turned 17, 17 in Texas is legal. So very, very smart. When I was a minor, 15, 16, turning even, you know, in the beginning of 17, they didn't really give me like drugs and make me have sex, right? This yeah. is basic dancing. And sometimes if I didn't make enough money, it would happen and never liked it, but I would just get really drunk and forget about it. And so he said, Look, really quick, you said you didn't, you didn't like it, but you knew you were making him happy. And yes. that's why you did it. Like you did it to make him happy and to feel love and like you're, you're giving him value. And that just like, oh, yeah. he was like of God. If yeah. you, if you, there's a book and I tell everybody about it um, because the man, his name is Iceberg Slim. He was the most notorious pimp in the world, in the world. Everybody knew him. Mm-hmm. Super wealthy. He had a change of heart when he got a girlfriend. She helped him start writing a series of books came really rich off of books, but he exposed everything with pimping in this mm-hmm. book called Pimp. P-I-M-P. And so I read that book eventually, and that's how I'm able. Yeah. I, I, I did not know until I was 27 that I had been trafficked or wow. pimped or hurt. Like, this is psychological. Like, yeah. and that's why now I have Unleashed to Speak and I'm so big on mindset and I do everything I can. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't go out. I don't listen to the radio. Anything that conditioned my mind that is not conducive to my dreams or my goals, I don't do it. Oh my God. I've, I've been there before. Yeah. And that little thing scares me because someone yeah. can get control of your mind and completely take away your identity. Because when you believe, think about how people believe in God, monks would burn their body for God. Yeah. Women would, monks will give up their sexuality for God. Christians have persecuted others for God. Like this was like a God to us. So just to throw that out there. And when you say not till 27, did you realize you were like trafficked? Like, so you thought you were like saved. Like they came and they found you and they took you in and gave you family. Like this was a positive thing. Like you were so lucky. Oh. Basically, my 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 get out was three strikes. Mm. First one was he introduced this thing to us called Molly. And yeah. Molly is where you take it and it's like a roofie. So you don't remember anything. So I start, I kept taking it, kept taking it. I would do little stuff here and there. One day I wake up three months, no period, and I'm pregnant. And I'm like, there's no way I've always been protected. Like I start to, that's the first glimpse of like, I'm losing myself. 
I stopped going to school kind of, I, I was in 12th grade at the time and I was really smart. So I'd already had great grades, took my ACT, SAT, had enough credits to graduate, but I didn't graduate. Mm. I was all in at that point. I, I didn't want to do anything else, but make him happy. You know, I go back and 17, the first strike was the Molly thing. I'm pregnant. I keep my daughter, have her, have a godmother. She takes my daughter, go back to the life. Strike two. I had a best friend. Her name was Cinnabons. And she took a lot of, you know, Molly one time and we had did our thing. And then we woke up and I kept shaking her and she wouldn't wake up. My so God. I called her. I'm like, something's wrong with her. They're like, turn your phone off. Be quiet. We're on our way. Don't say nothing. Never saw Cinnabons again. Oh. I don't know where she went. I don't. I say her name on this podcast because only she knows her name. Is that yeah. maybe one, she will see me? Maybe yes. one day. Maybe she got out. Maybe she just was like, I don't know what happened to her, but that made me hurt. And it made me strike too. Like yep. I didn't care about me. I cared about the women around me. Yeah. I cared about, like it opened my eyes. Like what if that was me? Like no one would know. Mm-hmm. So that was strike two. Yep. Strike three. I told my pastor about what had happened because I didn't know at the time this pastor was just a guy who I thought was a square. A square is a guy who comes and wants to talk to you, doesn't want any services, but he pays. Perfect. Those are easy. Yeah. He was an undercover pastor that was really looking into women that were being trafficked. Wow. I told him about what happened. That's finally the last straw that he needed to take this to the actual federal level. Because at that point, now you have someone who has murdered somebody. And they know he gave it to us. They know he was the supplier. So that is how they got into it. It wasn't even about the trafficking because really every woman there, strike three, because it was my story and I shared that I was considered a collaborator. Yeah. Somebody who was working with the police. Yeah. Not knowingly, but every other woman there got a prostitution charge. That's a felony. Every one of them, except me. Oh my God. That was strike three, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I was like, God, I don't want to leave them, but this whole organization is gone. All of my friends are in jail or either they ran away. One committed suicide. Everything gets a little bit better. I know my story is a rough starting off, guys. We're going to get, well, first of all, talk about how it just takes one person, like that pastor. When he kept coming back and talking to you and you're like, what are you doing? You're messing up my money. And you're like, He was somebody that was consistent. Like at first I wouldn't talk to him like a square. Like I said, it could be police. Yeah. Prostitution charge. Yeah. This is fear. So I kept, he kept coming. He kept talking, kept being nice. So finally, I think the thing that made me really open up to him was that I couldn't hold that in. It was eating me alive. And I didn't think, I just thought he was somebody that wanted, would listen. I didn't think he would go tell the police. I was angry at him. Yeah. I was so mad. I was so hurt. I felt betrayed, but he had to keep talking to me, keep persevering. So what I say, it just takes one person to come and change your life. You cannot pay people to care. And that man cared because he did not have to continue with me. He did not touch me. He was not rude to me. He said, Shemitria, I know you're hurting, but please just, I own a school. 
Let me get you a diploma. Let me help you walk the stage. You got your ACT. You got your SAT. You have enough credits. You can graduate. Let's write your story to all the colleges. Matter of fact, there's something called an HBCU. They are for people like yourself. They're for minorities. They're for black and brown people. They were made knowing that we don't have the proper circumstances. So we may have babies with us. We may have baggage with us. We may not show up for class all the time. We may need the extra help. He said, write your story. So y'all, this took a while. (laughs) Like I was very upset with this person because it felt like he betrayed my family. So basically, you know, he kept working, kept working, kept working. This man was so persistent with me that he felt like I could not go to college alone. So he got five other girls that graduated with our class to go to, to, to agree to go to the same college with me. So I would have a family when I went. Mm. I wrote my story to all these HBCUs. I got 28 scholarship offers. Like <laughs> I can learn. <laughs> I can admit full rides. And uh, we stepped registered the first year. Next couple of years, I was a honor roll, dean's list, uh, graduated with a, a bachelor's in business, just continued my education. I went straight from that into advocacy work. And um, from there, I went into like trying to run for city council. Then I became a violence prevention coordinator for the Louisiana Foundation Against Sexual Assault. And then I was a rape prevention coordinator for the New Orleans Family Justice Center. And then I was a sexual assault advocate for victims of sexual assault. I like to say what you make it out of qualifies you to help those that are still in it. (laughs) I wrote what you make it out of qualifies you to help someone who is still in it. In quotes, because you were talking to me and obviously we have very different stories, but I dealt with eating disorders, depression, bulimia for 20 years. I struggled silently and I was never going to tell anybody about it. And Mm. it's because of shame. Everybody has something that they're carrying that they have shame around. And until you release the shame, which is telling your story and putting it out there, even if it's not happening anymore, you're still carrying it. It's still with you. You have to release it. And I had so much imposter syndrome. I'm like writing my book and it came out and eating disorder professionals came for me. And they're like, this woman is talking about eating disorder recovery and everything she's saying is not in line with how professionals see recovery. And so I was like, oh shit, like I didn't go to therapy. I didn't go to treatment. Maybe I I, immediately, but then I'm like, no, what I made it out of qualifies me to help someone who is still in it. Because you made it out. Yes. And I don't have any letters next to my name. And I don't know if it's in line with how professionals see recovery, but that's how I got out of it. And I'm going to share that for someone who's still in the mess. So thank you for those words. You are so welcome (laughs) for that. Yes, ma'am. Talk about shame. Like, yes, yes. What made you finally tell, like, I know you told the pastor, but then it's like, you got out, you could start this new life at um, Southern and nobody knows anything, but you Mm -hmm. used it and you, you use it now like to help other people. But how did you get to the point of like releasing the shame and telling your story? I was 27 years old. Mm -hmm. I had worked so hard to get away from my past. Nobody knew my past. I never told my story. I, they just knew I worked hard. I was really energetic. I had a good spirit, I had great energy. I was smart. I was like, nobody knew me at a new beginning. So I used that. And I then I went to advocacy work and I was a volunteer. I had a baby, I had a boyfriend. Like my life was great. Yeah. It was so great that they wanted to share a story on my life because the only thing they knew, I talked very um, openly about my daughter and um, how she was conceived. I talked very openly about the rape and that's what I called it. I didn't 
you know, call you didn't it consent. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Right. And then I talked very openly about being poor and making it from nothing. Yeah. That was the story. So um, there was an organization who wanted to do a musical on me and they did it. I actually have it. So, oh my God. Yeah, that was you. It was really, really beautiful. It's called Phoenix Rising. Of course and, it is. <laughs> and so basically, um, they came, flew in. My friend Dominique, who um, runs Royal Heart Foundation for survivors of trafficking, she just so happened to be the woman who ran the foundation for survivors of trafficking. But of course, it's so friend, like, I, it doesn't even shock me anymore. Everything aligns everything exactly aligns. as it should. Okay. Everything. <laughs> so, we're there. They're getting my story to see if they're going to fund it to do the musical. So I'm sharing my story. It went a little like this. I, I was very poor growing up. I've been tossed around house to house, home to home. I, you know, uh, was assaulted and, you know, I don't remember it, but I, you know, had apparently had sex with somebody and got had a baby. I kept her. Um, I wanted someone to love me. And um, I had support with her. I had a family of boyfriend. You can call him a boyfriend, but he was just a guy friend. He really loved me. I was telling the story and they were like, Shmitria, um, you know, get a little bit deeper into like your domestic violence and your sexual assault. So I was like, well, there was a guy when I was 17, you know, his name was Snake. I was like, and he took me in and he really took care of me. All I had to do was give him all my money and uh, just do some stuff I'm not proud of. I said, but we were as a family, all of the girls did it. And we were just, you know, we were, we were like a family. I said, and I messed up because he said, don't tell nobody. And I told a pastor and the pastor got the house bust down. And then all my friends got prostitution charges and it wasn't even their fault. They didn't even really want to do it. They were doing it for snake because he said we had to do it because if not, then it was like basically breaking the oath. And it was like, you know, you're outcast and you're a loser and you're not like, you're not pretty, you're broke. Like you can't make money. So they're listening. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> and they're just, they're quiet. Yeah. They stopped me when I said most of the girls couldn't leave. I said, but after the raid and stuff like that happened, I was like, you know, he let me go because he could have came after me because he didn't get locked up. He didn't My get friend, locked up. No, he was never there. He wasn't at the house. The girls got locked up and got prostitution charges. He's he never not got like in. still at large. Like something yes. happening. No, I would hate to have to run into this man. Yeah, you, you, huh. I hope that he is still around just to see what you've done with your like what he tried to the light that he tried to dim and like what he did to you and you still were like okay that happened and now look like telling you you're not going to make it on your own or you you need it like look at what you built so like part of me wants him to see that part of me doesn't want him to see anything and feels like he should never I can't believe that only the girls yeah, only the girls. And then there was a guy there, I think like security. Um, and I think the physician, there was a physician that was, remember, we never got to go to the doctor. Everything was in-house. Doctor visits did like you never leave. Like you don't, there's people that are a part of this that come and do the services. If you were on your period, you just take makeup wipes because they absorb it and put them up you. And then it feels the same. I'm like, this is normal oh. Right. Yeah. Well, you had nothing to compare it to. You're like, this is what you do. And so you see true. it a different way. That's your reality. Why would yeah. you question it? Yeah. Oh. So I'm sharing my story. When I said, I'm lucky because he let me leave. He could have came and found me or got me, but he didn't even bother me. My friend bust out crying. She was yeah. like, 
I can't like I can't take this. She was like, "Come here." She just hugged me. I'm like, "Yeah, girl, you know my story." Yeah, she never told me your story. She was like, "I thought you were a superhero. I thought you just made it out of poverty and had been raped." She was like, "Why didn't you tell anybody?" I was like, "Do you know what I did?" And she said, "No. Do you know what he did?" Exactly. You are holding shame, but he should hold all the shame. Oh my and god. And then she said. I don't want you to ever be afraid of the monsters in your story. Yeah. Ever let those monsters hold you back because they're not there anymore. They're only in your head. And so she gave me some space because she asked questions. And this is what a good counselor does. She's a, she was a psychotherapist counselor. She like dealt with the most traumatic experiences. So she just asked me questions. She was like, did you make money for somebody by doing sexual favors to other people? I was like, yeah. I was like, but it was for our family. She was like, just answer yeah. the question. It's <laughs> like, okay. I was like really trying to justify it. Yeah. So she, she was like, did you, were you able to leave on your own? I was like, uh, no, because if you leave, I mean, he'll probably hurt the other girls if they know, because they'll tell it was like a family, like you don't want to leave. Like it's not going to be good because you're just going to come right back. Like, you just don't leave. And the girls who did leave, they came back and then they, they got punished and was made put through the ringer. So like, it wasn't a thought. And so she was like, okay. She said, did you ever have locks on your door at night? I was like, yeah, for safety, because security, you know, you don't want people coming in at your house, your room. She was like, was it locked on the inside or the outside? I was like the outside. Mm. She was like, were there cameras? I was like, yeah, for safety. Yeah. Like she just kept asking me questions and it was so uncomfortable she asked me, she said, do you know what sexual, sexual trafficking is? Believe it or not, I had never heard that word. Right. You were 15 when they took you. Like, and even yeah. after that, when I went to college, my, my story was like, I'm, I made it from nothing. Like got yeah. a scholarship. I got my daughter. I was a teen mom. Like yeah. I'm not doing it. So they yeah. was like, after she asked me the questions, she was like, have you heard of trafficking? I'm like, like taken? Cause like, I yeah. remember the that's what you, yeah, that's what you think. But that was so different than my experience. that I never put the two together. Yes. So then she said, have you, do you, do you know what a pimp is? I was like, yeah, like culturally, like, yeah, ain't nobody pimp me. And no. she was like, Shemitria, baby, your story, we, we can't do this musical about sexual assault or domestic violence. She said, we, your story is about being trafficked. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. And I looked at it, I'm like, no. I was like, he didn't take me. Like I, the girls persuaded me to come. And she did, She started kind of explaining to me. She hugged me. She was like really soft with me. She said, I want you to read this book called Pimp. And I was like, okay. I, I mean, I loved reading. Like I was yeah. on very so she gave me two weeks. I read the book, called her back. I couldn't breathe. My soul had been taken from me. My story had been taken from me. My life had been taken from me. I didn't know that that happened to me. And I felt so stupid and angry and upset and hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so mad at her. I'm like, why would you? Like, I really was happy. Like, I was good. Like, now I got to, I got to. I got to accept it yeah. because this is my truth. 
And I said, I told it to y'all. And I don't know if I could put that out there like that. People going to call me a hoe. She was like, no, she meet you. No. Women are waiting on you to tell your story so they can realize what they're in. She said, there are women that are still struggling with what you've made it through. With what you, There are women who are still struggling with what it is that you have made it out of. Yeah, She was exactly. like, and I know you speak on motivation and how you were a student athlete and encouraging people. I was already a speaker, but I was always wow. speaking about domestic violence or sexual assault. I never mm-hmm. spoke about trafficking. Because you didn't so, realize. Yeah. Like you didn't really speak did. about trafficking because that was just a time in your life when you live with a family. Like that's how conditioned you were. Yeah. Can you, while we're exactly. talking about this, if anybody's, yeah, I know there's just like a couple things you can look for. You made me think of it when you were like, she asked questions. If you are thinking that someone may be in a situation, that's what you say, right? You ask them questions. Yes. So if somebody, if you feel like somebody is being trafficked, I always say, look at them as a person and not a project. Yeah. Number one, if you think they're a project, you take the, this accountability, you can get yourself killed. This is not a joke. This is not little people playing with. These are grown, powerful men, rich men. Um, number one. Number two, if you believe that they have, you've been through that situation, I would ask that you ask them questions. Yeah. Are you safe? Mm. Uh, how, how, how are you feeling today? Um, is there anything I can do to help you? Yeah. Um, don't make a scene. Don't be big about it. Don't, um, don't approach in a way that makes it feel like too many police questions, right? Make it be subtle, like you care, right? And then be willing to come back. Yeah. And And go back again. Because uh, they, they're, they're, they're always assigned to spots or places or locations, um, rather it's a, a, a physical place or a street or a club. Most of the times people know where to find them. It's like a trap. Yes. Like, and speaking of trap, like how they found you, didn't you say like Sonic was across the street from your high school? From my high school. And that was like, look at stuff like that. Think about it. Who works at 15? <laughs> Not That's a kid who has yeah. small, of two parents. Yes. Right. Who, and then the school's right there. So who's going to work at a place that they can get out of school and go right to work? Problem children. Yeah. Foster parents. Foster parents. I forget that. And you said their girl, if like your kids are coming home and talking about a girl that's always by herself or something, like look uh, at that. Look at her. So yeah. if there's a girl, if there's a, a, um, sometimes there's the girl who's the outcast who doesn't have the parents who's yeah. kind of like maybe a little bit promiscuous. Um, Whatever the case may be, if you are a parent and you can bring that girl into your home, you can bring her into your space to befriend or your friend, your daughter befriend her. Don't look at her as less than because she's a foster child or because she doesn't have parents or because she's working all the time. See her as a, as somebody who could be prey to somebody else. Yes. And you can protect her because all she needs is love. Yes. If somebody would have just said, if somebody would even just talk to me, the pastor did. Yes. took a long time, but it got to a point where I broke down. It took him years. But you felt like he cared. You said, go back and you no. need to know somebody's not just questioning you like a police. Like no. you, you care. And that's why you opened up to him. And then you were like, what the hell? You weren't supposed to tell anyone, but that's how much yes. trust he built with you and got yes. you out of there. And yes. And let me tell y'all trust with these women come with consistency. Okay. Yeah. Because if you are there, 
and you're consistent, that's how they can trust you because they watch everything. They're very smart and they're taught on what it is to say, what it is to do, how it is to move, how everything is, nothing they do is on their own terms. So they're always thinking about what somebody else wants. Ask them questions about what they need, what they want. Don't speak too much, but you can start off with just, how are you feeling today? You know, how how are things going for you? If they're like, I'm good. You know, what what you want? Oh, nothing. I really was just genuinely just checking on you. You know, I saw you here a few times. Do you need anything? Are you hungry? Would you, do you need anything to drink? Yeah. Um, are you okay? Like if, is, if, if everything's good, I'll back off, girl. I'm sorry. So vulnerable. So kind of like chill, mellow, but still go back again. And then again, and then again, because their mind just may not click till something happens. Remember, it took three things for me to click. Yeah. Three. And look what you have walked into like your purpose for someone that's feeling stuck. It may not be in a trafficking situation. It may be, but what would be like the first step if somebody that's feeling stuck, like this is my reality now that they know your story, like what, and they can come out of it. Where do you even start? It's like, yeah, I don't want this anymore. But like, how do you start turning your pain into your purpose? Yeah. So I like to say, um, turn your pain into your purpose and your purpose into profit, right? Yes. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because number one, most women start and they go to a not-for-profit. So because that was my role, I worked there at a corporate executive level as well as was, I started off as a, as a volunteer. And then I also was a client. Um, my story was used because think about what the news does. The news likes to take horrible stories to get views. Mm. That is psychology. That is business. That's capitalism. Because is that when you like were speaking and raising all the money for them? And then like you went yes. home and like you were being, yes. yes, share that. Yes. So basically first, just to make sure we start with them. The first thing that you can do, let's say you're a woman and you're being trafficked or you being pimped, or you're in a situation, a job that is not, uh, that's underpaying you, yes. a man that's hurting you and you feel like you can't go anywhere without him. Open your mouth and ask for help and find a way to get to resources because they are there. And even if it's just typing in Google, mm-hmm. help for trafficking, help for domestic violence. That's what I did. Wow. Is that 27? After I was told her my story and I realized what had happened to me and how my life was so crazy, I reached out for help because I'd already went to conferences. Y'all, I went to conferences and trainings. I read books and I did, but that was because I had a college education and I was around these people and they would, but if you're by yourself, go to your phone and type in Google, start seek and you shall find Mm -hmm. knock and the door shall be opened unto you. I promise you, energy goes where it flows. Mm-hmm. Come what you think about. That is the secret to this life. I didn't know who I was at that time. So I was whoever he thought I was and he taught me to be. Mm-hmm. But when I found out who I was and my truth, when it comes, it's going to come to you. And let me tell you, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Because if you knew better, you would do better. So when you know better, you grow better. So it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. You have to take accountability that it is your choice. And once you know, you can make a choice. And it starts with reaching out and telling your story. 
And I don't mean tell it to everybody because that's where I messed up. Once I found out the first thing it did was a musical. Then I got asked to the news and then I got these not-for-profits reached out to me. And then I started fundraising for them. And I was so excited just to help other women. And then I realized that I was making about $40,000 a year with a degree as a executive director of a not-for-profit helping women who had been raped and mm-hmm. raised $800,000 at the Zurich Classic for women who had been trafficked. And I went home and there was an eviction note on my door. That. Don't <laughs> let people yeah. turn your pain into their profit. Ooh. For a good cause. You have all of my value, psychologically, women who've been trafficked, their value comes in what they can give. That's how they feel valuable. That's how I felt valuable. Thank, yes. I gave and gave and gave and gave. And then I realized I had a gift for speaking. And when I like to say that people are present and when you can open them up, they give you a gift. Yes. A gift is presence. I've learned this through experience. Mm -hmm. I reached out to that not-for-profit that I worked at Mm -hmm. and asked for a loan. They said the money could not be allocated to me. That you raised with your talk at the Zurich class. Okay. That makes sense. So I quit. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to open my own not-for-profit, <laughs> which I did. Yes. I was going to raise money because I was good at it. And I was going to use my story to help survivors and advocate for them at the local, state, and federal level, saying, I believe that any survivor that is going to get their story told or use their story should be compensated. I believe in that. So that's how you turn your pain into your purpose and then your purpose into your profit because your pain is connected to your purpose because what you make it out of qualifies you to help those that are still in it. So if you yeah. have pain connected to something that does that is like when I wake up, I'm burning. I'm like, I, I get it. I'm ready to go. I, I'm yes. who can I save today. What can I do today? God use me today. And this is not a joke. It's like Tasmanian devil. I am on <laughs> fire for God. I am yeah. on fire to motivate, to uplift, to get these women out because I know it is not fun to be out and it's lonely at the top. Yes. Level of happiness and joy and anointing and abundance that I cannot even tell you how to get. All I can do is show you. And then because of that, you know that God is real. You know there's something bigger than us and greater than us that stands for all of us because we are all God's children that even if you're not spiritual, what made this earth? Right. What keeps us orbiting? What, why do you just say stuff and it happens? But you don't believe in manifestation. You don't believe in the laws of attraction. You don't believe that you become what you think about and that you have the power to speak life over you with your mouth. Mm. You have to first believe in yourself I spoke this at the great, I, I did this TV show. Speak of, speaking of things that changed guys, yeah. I, this is how I like to do it. Right. I think we're like maybe 30, 40 minutes in. I talked nothing about my accolades. That's oh. not what you need. So I briefly go through them, went to college, graduated with a master's and with a bachelor's in business. This is my last semester of my master's in business administration. I have a real estate a license that I have under Grace CRE brokerage. Uh, we only deal with multifamily. We invest in it. We flip it. I have a not-for-profit called Home for Grace that I co-founded with Sophia Willits. It houses women that have been trafficked. I have Unleashed to Speak, which is a mm-hmm. series of retreats that I take 
survivors and mentors to bring them together in a train the trainer model. So we, we have women that are high level performers and then we have women that are survivors. And what I like to do is take myself out of being a guru or being the one who has to do everything. Yeah. And I women to come together and love and support other women. And so the goal of it for my head is that one, the survivors can make a safe adult and have somebody they can build that connection with. And I don't have to just be the one they call. And then that, that person who are, these are my friends that have, they're very wealthy. They learn something and that they're humbled yes. and they have a more gratitude. Because- and they feel purpose in their life giving back. Shmitria, I know you didn't know this. That's exactly what I did. Like my nonprofit is for teen girls to be matched with a mentor who has made it out of the same situation. That's what Blue Butterfly is. So I was like reading about the retreats you're doing in Arizona. And I was like, how can I support you? It's the same thing, except for women. I, mine is like girls that are struggling with self-worth, body image, all the things that I struggled with. And there was nowhere to go. Sometimes you don't want to talk to your mom about it. I picture a girl who's 16 going to therapy and there's a dude with a clipboard, like, tell me about your eating disorder. And you're like, you don't get it. But a woman who has been through it. Yes. And have retreats for these girls, 12 to 20 to go and be like, you are not the only one feeling how you're feeling. Everybody goes through this. And when you're 30, that thing that you're trying to like dumb down about yourself. So you just fit in is the thing that you're going to love about yourself the most. Um, And you're talking to a woman who has been through that same thing. That's what blue butterfly is. And it's like my network of women that I've met through my show like Katie Kirk talked about her bulimia. Kenya Moore was talking about body image. If you see someone like that in the public eye that is like, oh, them too, then you don't feel alone. And you're no longer like isolating yourself and you know you can make it out of it. And you're talking to a woman who has been through that, not a dude with a clipboard, like, hmm. So it's a trusted mentor that has made it out. And then I'm like, it's exactly what you're doing. (laughs) So however I can support you. And maybe this is like the, I mean, we were obviously supposed to meet, but like, where can we take this? Like we're doing the same things. I took what was 20 years of my life where I had no self-worth and body image and all the mess and throwing up my food to come out on the other side to help the women that are still not feeling good about themselves and still in the mess and take it one step further that once I'm off this earth, my legacy will be that there will be blue butterflies in this world who will be mentors for teen girls. And then when teen girls come through it, my hope is that they come back and they're a blue butterfly for the next generation. So there's always blue butterflies in the world. So no teenage girl feels alone and isolated. And like it didn't exist. And it's kind of like what you did. Like you turned what you've been through and you're now helping other girls come out of it. Talk about Unleashed to Speak and exactly like what that does. Yeah, no. So Unleashed to Speak is the incorporation. So it's basically an umbrella. It is a for-profit. My not-for-profit is Home for Grace. But what services I offer is coaching. And so coaching, that's very selective. That is like almost, and it's, it's most of the time it's free. Like I honestly hate to admit that. No, I get it. Because I I get so much gifts and, and so much more through real estate and all this other stuff that it's, it's really like, who's that person on my heart? Like I have six clients right now, three of them pay, three don't, but the three that pay gift me. And then the three that don't pay always send me stuff. So it's just like, I get yes. paid in, in, in the supernatural world. It's my way of doing yes. But I have since growth conference, I have incorporated a, a mastermind because I said, if I, I can't coach everyone one-on-one because mm-hmm. I give it my heart. I give it my soul. I give it my all. I am with you. We are locked in. We are 
shifting. So basically, Unleashed to Speak, it's for speakers that want to become speakers or it's for survivors that want to find their voice, right? It's two totally different things, but both of them, I teach them how to capitalize on their pain, turn it into their purpose, and then create profit. That is what Unleashed to Speak is about because I will never forget that day I raised all that money and I cannot pay my rent. And when I Mm -hmm. went to them, they completely shut me down. A lesson learned is a lesson earned. Yeah. I earned that. I earned the right for this. And I also invested over $100,000 into Lisa Nichols, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Earl Nightingale, Dr. Miles Monroe, John Maxwell. Like I can spit it because what's in you is all that can come out. Mm-hmm. So as a motivational speaker, people know when I tell you, I probably got maybe 12 messages today. Every day is like clockwork. Now people that knew me in the past are like, girl, I see you. Yeah. you like you are such an inspiration. I'm like, thank you. I'm just living my life. Yes. Nice. You're so humble. <laughs> That's when you have pain into purpose. I already went yeah. through the pain. Yes. Live my purpose. If I can make profit off of it, why not? And and tell other people how to do that. That's what's so like, if someone's stuck right now, well, she's doing all this. You just heard where she came from and what she went through. And if you have this shitty situation, they're like, well, I can't do it because this use that, tell that story, heal that and turn that into profit. That that's the opportunity. Eminem. Remember the eight mile? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) After he said all his dirt, nothing. You can't. No, no. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the world who I am. For not for profits, I love them. I have one myself. But for a survivor, I would, I would. You can go there for resources, but find you a counselor, a safe adult. You have to be around people that don't look like you, that don't have your experiences. That's the only way we can be connected spiritually. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. If you want to be a millionaire, for the people that do care about money, um, you have to be around people that have money, and it's going to be uncomfortable when you're used to giving all of your money away, especially if you've been raped or trafficked or in a situation when you had someone that your only value was what you could do for them. But um, you deserve to have abundance. That is your birthright. So for those who are, who, who are out there, who I'm talking to that want abundance, uh, it's about who you have around you. So these ladies, um, they sponsored my retreat center. It's called Angel Ranch. It's in Newman, Arizona. I'm not joking when I tell you guys, I live a very modest lifestyle. I am a bit more financially free now because finances don't hold me to slavery. I like to say we are enslaved by anything we don't consciously perceive. To perceive it means we don't see it. We are free through conscious perception. And to precede, the root word of that is pre means before, and seed means what you take. If I would have known what was happening to me, I wouldn't have been enslaved to what I didn't right. know. And now right. I know I'm free, and freedom is priceless. Yes, mind- and you're not just free, you're bringing other people to freedom. Like you took yeah. it a step further. That's what's so beautiful. And that's why you get the blessings that you do. You're like, yeah. I don't charge them because you know, and you have the faith that something else is going to come. You're going to be yeah. in front of some person that's going to give you the next opportunity and you live yeah. your life and walk in faith. And it's, yeah. you see like now abundance just flows to you. Like, where yeah. do you see this ultimately going? Me having the largest chain of alternative healing centers in the country and then taking it globally called Unleashed. And I've already patented and trademarked that. Yeah, girl. (laughs) I got it now. (laughs) But just just a thing on business, guys. When you have a dream, 
you have something, please get it trademarked. I did have a situation when I first got into the limelight and I was speaking, they trademarked my name. What? Somebody else trademarked your name? Yeah, a friend of mine. I had to pay a lawyer to get it back and I had to pay her under the table to be able to get my name back. It's called capitalism in the United States. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So for real, if you have something, keep it till you got it trademarked, please. And this is a tip for those business owners and for those um, professionals or even for survivors that want to come out and share their story. Your name is your everything. So always use your name for your branding. Shemitria Gonzalez is where you can find me for everything. If you type it in Google, my website, my articles, my business, everything pops up. So I always keep it as your name because when everybody um, interviews you and sees you and does stuff, your businesses will change. All of the other stuff will change, but nine times out of 10, your name will always stay the same. So always use your name. I really appreciate you, Erin, for having me on your podcast. I know we kind of went through my story. I like to say that I went from pain to purpose and purpose to profit. And um, to anybody who is out there and needs help and that is looking for a coach or looking for a retreat to go and heal or looking for organization, we do take volunteers at Home for Grace for women who've been trafficked. Uh, We do events and we love volunteer lists. And then we have, you know, I sell real estate. So if you're looking to sell multifamily, invest or have a deal, you know, feel free to reach out to me. But ultimately, this podcast was for me and Erin to connect because we had a spiritual connection at the Her Story at Her Story Circle Summit, and um, it was beautiful. And I feel like she is doing God's work by bringing people's story to life into light, and that's why I'm here. And so, to end this, I would just say that I am here as light for those who are struggling to get out of the darkness, and. I just hope that something I said can light a flame in you that will continue to burn in your darkest times. And I appreciate you so much, Erin. And anybody that wants to follow me or find me or make me, whatever the case may be. Thank so you. you can always find me at Shemitria Gonzalez. Shemitria, this was everything. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to see what you do next. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.